Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of the Shonda Rhimes classic Grey's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado. And I'm Megan Totsky. And join us for Season 2, Episode 10, Much Too Much. So, we're recording this on Monday, November the 14th. I said I was going to write my statement of purpose for graduate schools by Tuesday, November 15th. Mm. That didn't didn't happen, happen? dear listener. (laughs) How come? Could you tell us? (laughs) Well, because I found myself on Wednesday, November 9th, living in one of my very favorite novels, The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Oh, God. And I've just really been struggling <laughs> to exist since that point. Listeners, it has been a very rough <laughs> four-ish days. <laughs> six, six days? It's been six full days, yeah. Right, right. It's been six days. Six days of the new world order. Yeah. We have not recorded an episode in a few weeks. And that actually had relatively little to do with the election until recently. Had just everything to do with, like, the GRE. Yeah, and just, like, <laughs> us living our lives. And so, Anyway, that's beside the point. That was the, the old, old times, and this is here in the new world order. Can I say really mm. quickly, I want to mm. say something. <laughs> I'm going to be shameless mm. for a moment. Because I was sick during and after I took the GRE, and then the election happened. So I didn't get to gloat. And I want to say to you, listeners, that I fucking rocked the GRE. Oh my gosh, I'm hearing this literally for the first time right now. (laughs) I know you guys can't see me, but I am fist pumping right now. It was a good phase. And I did not really get to revel in my own personal genius. Mm. Did I score in the 20th percentile for math? I sure did. You know, I'm also proud of you for that. Okay. <laughs> but you know what the the Annenberg School of USC is not looking at? It's not looking at my math, Your math score. scores. <laughs> so. Follow-up question. Shout out myself. <laughs> Will you be submitting a um, audio recording of this podcast as a supplemental application? material for your grad school applications you bet your cute ass (laughs) i will all right just wanted to make sure i absolutely (laughs) will just wanted to make sure (laughs) i'm excited to see what mcgill university in canada of montreal (laughs) that's in canada quebec also in canada (laughs) thinks of this podcast (laughs) take me with you So, listeners, we are having a very tough time here um, in the uh, United States. In goddamn Montana. (laughs) Montana. Teresa is in Montana, which is... (laughs) Did you see Brokeback Mountain? Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. No, it's not not that bad. I am living in Washington, D.C., Where 93% of voters voted for Hillary Clinton and is the most disparate district in the country. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And people Mm -hmm. are sad. (laughs) People are. (laughs) 
it's not it's it's not it's a different kind of bad than montana but um it's a it's a it's a scary place to be yeah the thing about montana is like the the citizens of montana who are by and large either unmoved or happy um they don't make me feel better right like i just am wallowing and everyone's like what's the matter and i just look at their white faces with a lot of rage I can't articulate. Um, the good news is that there's been an ever-present fog <laughs> since I've gotten back here. Just literally Montana just just electing to suffocate mm. the life out of me, which I feel fine yeah. with, actually. Just, so the good just, news is that everyone here is miserable for weather reasons. It's called lean in. <laughs> yeah, lean in. Leaning into the suffocation. Um, no, so it's good in the sense that I, f- I feel very alone in my sadness. You know, me, me and my mom rocking the wild mood swings. Oh um, <laughs> just just alternately sad and, like, manic. Um, but at least people are, are miserable. They're, they're miserable, you know. Not for the right reasons, but, but for a reason, and that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> You might trip on our bar at Solo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's truly, it's Bechdel test low. Yeah. Oh, Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're going to get into all of that. We're going to power through yeah. a recap of this episode, episode 10, which we watched three solid weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we really <laughs> don't care about it at this point in time, but... But we're going to get through it um, because, you know, the world needs a little bit of levity and all 45 of you who consistently listen to <laughs> us, probably down to like 32 at this point because um, of our little hiatus. Uh, you deserve that levity. You deserve to just laugh about Grey's Anatomy in the year 2005. <laughs> Which, for the record, I wish I were in 2005, which I've... Never thought that I would say those words. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I can say uh, that in 2005, I was closeted and dealing with the beginnings of a crippling anxiety disorder. And I was not yet on medication. Oh, God. Nor had I started therapy, I don't think. So I don't know that I would go back to 2005. That's a tough one for me. It's a real, but... real toss-up. <laughs> But I feel it. I feel that. I get it. And I would know I'd have something to look forward to if I was back in 2005. I would have Obama's election to look forward to and streaking with Megan mm. down a soccer field with the with an American flag that we pulled just right out of the ground, oh, we yelling, did. yes, we can, until campus security was called on us. So, so I guess really what I'm trying to say is I wish I were in 2008. <laughs> Sure. Yep. I think that's really where we're at. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Sounds awesome. It sounds so good. It sounds pretty great, great, to be honest. Sounds rad. Yeah. I met basically all of my current and what are probably be my forever friends and only friends (laughs) in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Good year. Three, two, one go so in this episode everyone kind of shames meredith for sleeping around her most recent one night stand gets a 
semi-permanent boner and it's really awkward for everybody there's a woman who is growing five babies inside of her at one time and spoilers is having some complications with her pregnancy Alex essentially kills a guy, <laughs> but it hasn't quite happened yet. And Bert continues to bully Christina into moving forward into their relationship. Done. <laughs> That's what I had. Great. That's great. That's great. I haven't thought about this episode in a very long time. So I, as long, just... I just really appreciate that summary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the show starts out with a sex montage. Yes. Kind of. Alex can't get it up, which is funny. It's uh, real funny. It's, and, it's sad, too, and, but it's funny. And she tells Izzy, because, you know, they're he's having sex with Izzy, or trying to. And I there's this <laughs> really fucking funny moment where Izzy tells George that Alex can't get it up and George is like I can't wait to make fun of him and Izzy's like you can't and George says I'm at least gonna think about making fun of him next time I see him (laughs) and I think it's like the most badass thing that George has ever said yeah definitely you know definitely like the closest to me and George has ever been (laughs) George is also like you know I Izzy says something about you know, he says this never happens. And George is like, yeah, we all, we say, all that. say that. <laughs> and then he goes, they, <clears throat> they all say that. <laughs> I wonder how men feel about that line. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I am not a straight woman. I don't, I don't know if people have sort of picked up on, on that. Um, uh, surprise. <laughs> but I think about this all the time. The like, like erectile dysfunction. Mm. Like it's hard for me to feel bad about about it because all the funding that went into Viagra, you know, didn't go into breast cancer research. So um, hard for me to give a fuck about your boner. (laughs) But I do feel some empathy. Like, I know that if I were male bodied, Mm. I don't think I would ever get a boner out of anxiety that I would not be able to sustain a boner. That's like a real, you know, one of the things that you were saying, first of all, that's real. And I think that it speaks of the male fortitude that that's even like, I because I think that like, one of the things that you said was like, that it's just, imagine everyone being able to see when you were sexually aroused. Yeah. Right? Oh, Jesus. That like, I, I just, it's truly terrible. <laughs> Like it's truly terrible, and and it gives you know, I, my husband and some of his friends have talked about like what it was like to be a teenage boy when that was something yes. you couldn't control. And I did date teenage right. boys, and I did always just feel super yeah. awkward for them and their awkward bonus. Yeah, it's really just terrible. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm having really a hard time feeling badly for you know the male gender at this point in my Men. life, but <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> But also, you know, sorry, guys. Uh, it would be I guess. tough, but that's about as much. Is that, uh, is that something? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as a straight uh-huh. woman, is this something that you've experienced with a guy before? Unexpected like, boner? Have you ever had, yeah, like being, no, 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 like being unable to get oh, it yeah. up? Oh, yeah, yeah. It is, it what is you, actually what fairly common. S- I know it's super common. Yeah. So like I guess my question is, you know, 
what do you because the last time I was encountering boners mm. and playing around with them they were teenage so they just popped right up at any <laughs> time you know yeah <laughs> so how do you talk a man through do you do you just what happens um I think that <laughs> no, no no that's a great question I think that what as a as like the female party you obviously feel badly but not like you feel badly for them right but mostly because they feel so badly you're not like it's not a disappointing experience in my and that might just i don't know if that's just like me as a female feeling like apologetic for whatever's going on sure but like i think that it's like deeply psychological for most men or at least in my experience right that it's either like because the man is a head case or they're thinking about something else or just because it just fucking happens you know, yeah. and so in my experience, it's I, f- I feel most badly because they take it so personally, which which yeah. does make sense. And I and you, I think that that's actually pretty well represented in the show is that Alex is like deep frustration and, yes. and like not and re- he, how he acts out. That yeah. Yeah. And I think that we're obviously sort of led to believe that it's because he's frustrated in his you know, that he's he's failed the um, intern exams and he's really wrestling with that. And we're sort of led to believe that that's, of course, why. Um, and I think, too, that he really likes Izzy, right. and so he is up in his head because he wants it to be perfect, right. and anything short of perfection will feel like he's failed in some way. Right, right, right. And I certainly have experienced that of, like, men who, um, you know, who, who it does come from sort of a psychological place. But I also think that it just sort of fucking happens, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that that's just a, a reality, which, you know, I think is is, is similar with 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 females, you know, that like your sex drive comes and goes and females are the absolute last people that you need to explain varying sex drives to, um, or unexpected sex drives to. I feel like if we, as like a society, I'm going to get really, you know, national Mm. with my picture here, but I feel like if we as a society, as as a society, that was was good. That was good. That was good. (laughs) You're welcome out there. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Um, you know, one, I feel like if we were more sort of open and, uh, less, you know, fucking Puritan about talking about Mm. sex, you know, this kind of thing would, this kind of dilemma (laughs) occurred in this episode would not happen as frequently. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like if we, if we sort of decentered the penis a little bit, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there are so many ways to like pleasure or be pleasured whether you're a man or a woman and I feel like that would just take a ton of pressure off of the sort of quote unquote mainstream way of having sex you oh know, I think like that's penis and vagina and, yeah you know he's gonna come and then she might but probably not probably not <laughs> um, yeah you know so so I feel like honestly that's it's like one of those things where uh, you know, it would really help both men and women if we sort of took a little bit of pressure off of dicks Right. Well, and frankly, by decentering yes. them in the sexual picture. Well, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if you put that much yeah. pressure on one stupid ugly organ, <laughs> then like <laughs> I I don't know, and, and there's so much psychological like you were saying, there's so much psychologically wrapped up in it that if you don't if you're not pressured to have, you know, it's such incredibly boring heteronormative sex then like i yeah. think that there's and it's gonna follow this pattern yeah, every exactly. time if it deviates then it's gone wrong somehow. exactly like no you just are a human being and you know right 
right whatever no i totally agree with that i think that it's it's so true and i don't know i guess maybe we should have asked a male to be a part of this conversation but <laughs> oh because i'm sure any right guy would be would like been happy to talk here about we have when his anonymous contributor john <laughs> gone to have asked yeah He's like, um, I'll only be on the show if there's a voice changer. <laughs> Case in point, right? Uh, but like protect masculinity. Yeah, exactly. Um. Exactly. No, I think, and I think that that's a, um, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting point. And I think that, the, I actually sort of appreciated that there was a psychological component to this episode, right? That it was, and it wasn't just rooted in Alex's own ego with the board, or not the boards, the intern exams, but that, like you were saying, that it was rooted also in, in, in his idea of what sex with Izzy should look like and that um I don't know I guess we're supposed to be led to believe that that's almost endearing that he wants it to be so perfect with her that that's like a sign of how much he likes her and I I don't know maybe I'm just I haven't I don't know I think I'm just kind of torn about how I I don't know I I guess I just think it's probably kind of fucked up to be honest (laughs) but I'm kind of cup (laughs) half empty these days No, that seems that seems like a totally fair, you know, sort of the summary of the situation. Yeah. Um so we start out, you know, with sex and mm. I think that our next hot sex topic <laughs> That's the way to cope with this election is is to just really just talk about sex, yes. have it, etc. maybe. Um maybe if you can get it up <laughs> men and women. No pressure though. <laughs> So shower sex <clears throat> occurs, <laughs> and we both agreed. I'm telling you that shower sex is a lie. It is a lie. But I cannot tell you how validating it was to hear a gay woman's perspective that that is also the case <laughs> in same sex, or at least female female sex it is. relationships. We can't speak for the gay dudes. No. I don't know what their situation is. But I, but I you know, if I had to guess. <laughs> I, right? Right? Because water is just, it's not lubricating. It's never going to be right. the end. <laughs> and it is very slippery in the shower. Extremely. Okay? I frankly think and it's that, a small space to work with. Yeah. Unless okay? you're rich as fuck and have a huge mm-hmm. ritzy shower that has right. stools in it. <laughs> Right. You know? Right. Or like one of those benches. Yeah. 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 But even in that situation, I have been in those fancy showers. Those benches are cold. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that is not Mm -hmm. an ideal situation. And I just think that all in all, it's not safe (laughs) and is also Mm -hmm. not enjoyable. Okay? No. And you just, there's like the issue of breathing, Mm. you know, (laughs) which is... I just, I'm really sensitive to feeling like I'm drowning. Mm. It's, it's a thing. I, I dear listener, I drink slower oh than, <laughs> than your toddler. I swear to God, it one. takes Teresa an hour and a half to drink one Capri Sun. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I've been sucking down this beer for an hour. Like, it just, it's embarrassing. God. And it's in part because I hate the sensation of, like, Feeling like there's too much going into my mouth. It's just not a feeling I've ever had <laughs> to breathe. <laughs> so anyway, showers. It's a lie. Shitty. It's not good. Just. It's not good. It's not good. I will say that this Grey's Anatomy montage of shower sex is wholly delightful, but really leads 
people who have not experienced the realities of shower sex or who have tried it and not had that experience, (laughs) hypothetically, (laughs) it leads them astray. (laughs) That's how it always is, though, right? Like, media makes shower sex look like the hottest thing in the world. You know, it's like that and having sex on the beach. And then you're actually doing it and you're like, this is the worst. Sand is fucking everywhere. I'm never going to be clean again. Ever. Like, what? My skin, it's, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, my God. Somebody named Bethany has requested to follow me. I think you're friends with her. Oh, yeah. She's, let's do a quick shout out to Bethany Denton, who is the co-host of Here Be Monsters. An actual podcast that's, like, sponsored and everything. Oh, my God. So you should listen to Here Be Monsters. She wants to follow me on Instagram. She's fantastic. She's one of my fucking favorite people on this earth. Unless it was an accident, because now it's not showing up, so. No, she probably does. She knows all about you and, like, how you're the co-host and stuff. I'm going to accept Bethany. (laughs) Please do. You won't regret it. Thank you. Also, shout out to her partner, Berto who is also having a hard time right now. Love you a lot. Holding you in my heart. There's a woman in this show who wants to have, no, who is having quintuplets. I'm sorry. I'm diverging from our conversation about Steve. That's Anyway, fine. she wants to have quintuplets and she's the main storyline and it's going to actually carry over into, into next week's episode. <laughs> and, um, she is growing five people inside of her, which is the amount of people that grew up in my household. <laughs> and I don't, I, I sh- we've talked about this before that Teresa and I both have a um, pretty notable discomfort with pregnancy in general. <laughs> um, so that's, I think worth noting, but one thing that I have an issue with, and if you have ever had, I would say three or more children. I just, she, she can tell the difference between the quints in utero. And she's like, this one's Charlotte. This one's Kate. This one's Sally or what the Miranda. fuck. Miranda. Like, <laughs> this one's Samantha. Exactly. This one's Carrie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's not even enough cast members and sex in it's the city to the represent. <laughs> Oh my god. I would watch the shit out of that prequel. <laughs> I just started writing like a really weird fanfic. <laughs> just know that if it comes to fruition I would read it. We're in weird places. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been recording for. <laughs> it could be hours. Anyway, I don't it's <laughs> a lot of build up to a pretty stupid point to be honest. She's pretty stupid. I'm going to go ahead and say it. She's so fine. Say your point proudly. She's so dumb. And she thinks she can tell the difference between her quince and you. <laughs> and you know what? She's wrong. She's fucking making that shit up. She's just thinking of girl names and poking her stomach and being like, oh, this bitch is Carrie. Like, I'm sorry. That shit is not real. And she's a goddamn liar. She's also just kind of a raging bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, uh, 
I made, you know, the caveat that I always make, which is your body, your choice. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not not going to call you stupid <laughs> for deciding to carry five, five, you know, fetuses at once. That just seems absurd from both like a physical and economic mm. standpoint. I, I don't know if we mentioned this already, but she has triplet boys at home. <clears throat> we had not i so. forgot i remember now just to, to weigh that out anyway and she and it was because of um uh ivf so that's yep. another that's another sort of um wrinkle here mm-hmm. and that's not not called out in the show but izzy kind of makes the point of like Better read those labels on those fertility Why? pills or some shit yeah, like that. She says something very insensitive. She says something, like, pretty inappropriate. <laughs> Weird and shocking, and it never happens in this show. <laughs> anyway. It, that's it. That's basically I, it. I don't know. They haven't been born yet in the show. She's, like, gone into labor, and we're just sort of trying to figure yeah, out. she's is bleeding it, profusely. Yeah, uh, and, like, Addison is – Addison's Addison is – I will say Addison is doing a good job with this particular case, right? This is sort of her jam – and she's trying to sort of mentor Izzy. And Izzy has a few sort of bad one-liners or, or, you know, says a couple sort of offensive things to this woman whose name I can't even fucking remember. But she also, you can kind of see that she's in her element with with this mother in distress, right? She's, this mother is clearly sort of trying to maybe possibly doubting, you know, her decision and she's panicking and things like that. And Izzy really sort of zeroes in on her and says like, hey, you can do this. And she sort of tries to be brave for this woman. And I think we see good, sort of a good um, Izzy using her powers for good in that moment, Um, which is not frequent. But no. (laughs) And it's only going to become rarer. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's basically it. Yeah, so one of the quints, you know, all of her organs are outside of her body Mm. or something. And they say this very casually to the mother. She freaks out. I think that uh, this case actually becomes more interesting in the next episode to me. I agree. So right now she's a little bit insufferable and a little bit just like rah, rah. And you just, you hate her. I I think, I think she's not written to be particularly (laughs) likable. She's written to be sort of, you know, questioned by the audience. Yeah. And I think that the next episode does, does a good job of, of, maybe fleshing her out a bit yeah i agree i agree so we'll we'll pause on her and come back to her yes yes we will also learn her name before next week (laughs) yes we will our bad (laughs) who else do we have so next up we have this guy we'll we'll be really quick with him his name's martin uh megan describes him as having a pituitary tumor thingy (laughs) it's the technical term (laughs) that's the tech yeah yeah, that's that's fine. No medical fact of the week, uh, so we don't give a shit. So that's it. He's got a tumor. He's really thirsty, uh, like really, really thirsty. Like, think about the thirstiest you've ever been in your whole life, and then multiply that by a thousand, and that's how thirsty Martin is. <laughs> and he can't drink any water because he's getting ready for no. surgery. <laughs> so he locks himself in the in the patient room bathroom. And and laps up water from the toilet, which is one of the most horrifying things I've I, seen on Grey's Anatomy. And we've seen a lot on this show. I'm going to be honest, man. If that were me, I would do that. Being thirsty and not being able to drink water <laughs> literally gives yeah. me panic in my bones. 
Yeah, that's true. It's very anxiety-inducing for me. (laughs) So Alex puts this guy into a vegetative state by literally doing math wrong. Yep. And I feel for him because, as previously stated, I scored in the Mm. 20th percentile in math. So I don't even know what 20th you know. percentile means because my math is so bad. So there you go. There you go. That's where our bar is. <laughs> so, you know, not good for Alex, who's already really struggling. Mm. That's it for Martin, though. Yeah. He's an asshole. And then he's he's a vegetable. And so he doesn't die. No. OK. Mm-mm. That was just a lingering question. I don't question think he and Shepard have had a talk yet. So oh. he doesn't die in this episode. I won't say anything about next episode. <laughs> Winks suggestively. <laughs> um, <laughs> Real cliffhanger there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Shepard, if I recall, has a bit of a come to Jesus conversation with him, which is, yeah. which is warranted oh, because yeah. he's tail spinning right now. Yeah, he's... Um, Alex is the Minnesota Vikings of the interns right now. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Boom! Vikings <Buzzing>. joke. <laughs> Vikings are the worst. Okay, that's Martin. Steve. Oh, Steve. So, oh, this is, okay. So this is a erectile dysfunction guy. No, that's Alex. <laughs> I got distracted. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Steve has very much the, the opposite, opposite of that problem. He has a, like... 19 hour boner after having sex with Meredith. And of yeah, course, who of wouldn't? course, after multiple different procedures, including an enema, which when Christina gives Steve an enema, that's like a true good friend moment. Mm. You know, she has to like trade Scut for a month or something like that. But Christina gives Meredith's one night stand an enema. And that's yeah. just not something that I think that I could ask you to do for me. Yeah. You know, like that's like a that's and expect you to say yes. Like they're pretty ride or die in their friendship at this point. I know. I'm proud of them. Yeah. Anyway, so of course he gets an enema and then they put a needle in his dick to try and drain the blood and of course that doesn't work and then ultimately of course, of course it's a brain issue. And our resident brain doctor has to come in to see Meredith's one night stand with his giant ongoing boner. <laughs> yep. And you think, you know, you think, well, oh, who cares? How How is Derek ever going to find out that this is Meredith's one night stand? You would think well, that. Well, <laughs> it's because <laughs> Derek's workup includes questions like, so when was the last time you ejaculated? To which... This guy, Steve, looks to Meredith while grabbing her hand. Steve's a needy motherfucker. He's so needy. Saying, I don't know, Meredith, when did we, you know, ellipses. <laughs> so that happens. How is Meredith on this case? I'm sorry. That's not know. the point. I don't know. Anyway. No. no. And how does Steve not remember approximately... Yeah, like, why would Meredith remember that? Like, you're the one who ejaculated, bro. And based on the earlier what? conversation, Meredith just did not. No, exactly. So, come on, guy. God. You know. You know. You know when you came. You know. You know. What is wrong with you? I, so, I think that the most interesting or, like, 
most important part of the Steve storyline is definitely not Steve's boner or lack Mm -mm. of boner because as we discussed, no one gives a shit about your boner, dudes. Mm -hmm. But it's that Meredith has slut shamed repeatedly. Yep. (laughs) By Derek. (laughs) Yeah. And by George George. earlier. And and a little bit by Izzy, not to Meredith's face. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to count it because she was mostly just gossiping. And girl, I feel that. But still. (laughs) And you know, I will say that being slut shamed by your friends is terrible. But being slut shamed by the guy who said he doesn't want to be with you because he wants to be with his wife he didn't tell you about. I just think that that's kind of kind of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really the cherry turd on the shit Sunday. Yeah. And it's just it's going to be more infuriating or mm, no, it's going to be empowering in the next episode. This episode is oh, just yeah. infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of the best monologues this next episode. But um, that one is so good. Yeah, it's, inc- it's so frustrating to listen to, you know, to Derek saying, even when he's talking to Steve, of course, he's oh my God. passive aggressively, you know, it's all coded um, conversation with Meredith. You know, uh, Steve is like, we met at a bar. We met at Joe's or whatever. And Derek's like, I met a girl at a bar once. Um, I thought I knew who she was or something. Just some right, stupid. Right. I met a girl there once. Shit. It was a long time ago. Yeah. A really yeah. long time ago. And oh, before and my wife moved here. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what you said. It's like uh, you have zero legs to stand on. You have nothing. Oh, God. It's oh, just God. terrible. It's really it's, a, it's amazing that he was on the show for as long as he did as a sustainer. Like that really does speak to the writing of that show because when you look objectively at the things he said and did, he has so much ground to make up. <laughs> Arguably so more than much. a dick like Karev. I know? know. I know. I, yeah, it's and he just joins a list of men who are infuriating this episode. It feels like we're kind of we are falling into a pattern here of the men of Grey's really infuriating us. But this this episode is really is really on point. So you've got Derek slut shaming Meredith for sleeping with a random guy <laughs> after a one night stand, which a is exactly how the two of them got together. Yep. So. <laughs> Not sure why you're judging the shit out of, like, a proven, like, method method of finding someone. And B, he was fucking married the whole time and didn't tell her. So I think I know who the slut is in this episode. (laughs) And if I were a slut shamer, I would know who to shame. But I'm not. (laughs) It's Derek. She's talking about Derek. And then you've got Burke over here. I think this is kind of... Oh, my God. (laughs) This is kind of where we can end it before we get into our bits and and eventually our election talk, because we're going to go long. But Burke, you know, he gives Yang the key to his apartment, and she doesn't take that super well. She's kind of freaked out by that, which, you know, that's okay. It's legit, yeah. But she accepts the key, and then immediately we she doesn't even get an episode to digest the key and burke is asking her to move in and beyond that is not just floating the idea but is delivering an ultimatum 
Like, mm-hmm. you follow me on this or we're not going to be a thing anymore. Yep. Which is unbelievable emotional manipulation. And by this point in the show, I'm over Burke entirely. Oh, God. Take him out with the trash. Like, that's how yeah. I feel, you know? Like, he is just... I I don't know. I It makes me so mad because it's so manipulative and it's so terrible. And it's like... I, I, exactly all the things that you just said. What I... The question that I have about this when I was sort of reviewing this episode before we started talking today is... What I don't understand about this, aside from the under... That, that like what Burke's doing is insane <laughs> is Burke continues to move these goalposts further and further back or closer and closer, however you want to look at it. And Yang continues to match them. Yeah. Um, or respond, not match them, but, but draw toward them. Right. She adjusts, she pivots, right. She pivots and she folds and bends to be the person that he's asking her to be. And, not even asking, demanding her yeah. to be. And and I don't, you know, we look at we look at Yang and we see this like incredibly powerful, smart, beautiful woman who's so strong, just continually bend herself for this just frankly unreasonable demands of this man. And I don't understand why. You know, yeah. like I had sort of this question of is it because she loves him? And and that that's maybe it, but I have a hard time really, you know, he continue. What another thing that sort of frustrates me about this particular episode, this scenario, is that he keeps demanding or saying, you know, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you, with zero evidence to back those claims up. In fact, at one point, I think we both talked about. At one point, he he's he's trying to prove that he knows her, and he starts talking about what kind of scalpel she likes or what kind of sutures she likes or something, you know? And it's yeah. like, those are just her work preferences, right? That's like saying I like blue expo markers instead of black, you know? And it's like, that doesn't show anything that you know about you're, the, the you're woman that I am. That preference, right. by the way, I know black is on. hands down the easy, the best <laughs> expo it's marker. It's clearly color, the best expo marker. <laughs> obviously. Um, and I don't understand you know, he, he. I don't know. I just. I have a hard time. At this point, I am also so over Burke and the person that he is that I have a hard time even seeing what I could see before, which is why she was interested in him. Yeah, and that's just sort of now lost on me. <clears throat> yeah, I think the audience has not been reminded in a long time of what brought them together initially, and. We're going to get some of that, to be sure, um, in upcoming episodes. But but right now, it's it's just really, it's almost impossible to see what she sees in him and why she's going along with this stuff. And I was trying, I thought that was a great question. Like, why does she keep agreeing to these demands instead of holding her ground? And I feel like part of it is the competitor in Christina, mm. almost. Like, that he's setting, she sees his demands as challenges like he's setting challenges and she's never she's never not met a challenge right and so in some sense I think that's part of it in another sense you know and this is without really any background information about Christina 
I I wonder if, you know, she's not quite had this kind of relationship before, mm. felt these kinds of feelings before. And so she doesn't really know being a person who's not particularly adept at human to human relationships, period. Right. She doesn't really know that there are other ways to express commitment and love and and all of that shit. So, you know, this is the example that's being set for her. So that's that's what she's doing you know like she's she's certainly not the most uh socially intelligent individual on the show yeah i hear that and i I think izzy probably is izzy probably is think about that okay uh i i think that that's true but i i mean we don't i guess we don't know that this is certainly not her first relationship you know she's and and we haven't we haven't heard much about her her previous endeavors before which I, granted i think you're right we're mostly are mostly later on labeled as sexual relationships but yeah and we get a glimpse of that later yeah. and i think that's part of why that's informing what i'm saying here which is yeah. totally right no no no, to, no. Like, the nature of our show <laughs> no i hear that no i understand i understand but even with that perspective it's still <clears throat> And I don't know, maybe that is part a piece of what makes it believable, right? Is that sometimes you, people in relationships make concessions, you know, value-based concessions for yeah. the people that they think that they love. And I think that maybe that's what we're seeing here with her. And I think that that's hard to, it's like a bitter pill to swallow with Yang, who's so calculated and works so hard and is so strong that it's hard to see her bend in those ways for him. You know, I, I think that as as a viewer and, you know, a critic of, of her character, excuse me, of her show, that that's just a challenging thing to, as a viewer to watch. Yeah, it is. It is tough to watch. Um, I think with that, I think we've kind of done what we can do. <laughs> yeah. I actually think we talked kind of more than I expected about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good that so much of this episode was sex related because yeah. I feel like I can talk about sex just all the time. <laughs> it's an easy entry point for us. <laughs> so, eh. um, <laughs> little joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. It was like a sex society earlier. That's right. We are on. Just some subtle humor for our <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> Let's do our bits, uh, which include oh, our God, medical fact of the week, which a... is really just like a post-mortem on the United States. Okay. Um, <laughs> song of the week. Song of the week. Um, I said it's probably Crying Chain by Go Set Go, but at this point, if you played that Lifehouse song, I would probably cry <laughs> because that's, again, the bar is so low. That I might trip over it. Yep. Yeah. I liked how we both, like, gave what we thought our song of the week was. And then we were like, or Lifehouse. (laughs) Or what my heart says. (laughs) Which is that Lifehouse song. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I said Night of the Dancing Flame, which was the intro. And just incorporated a lot of, like, horns. It was very jazzy. I can't totally recall the state I was in when I watched it. Because mm-hmm. it honestly feels like it was years ago uh-huh. <laughs> when I was just happier in general. But Might as um, well then. yeah, but I liked it. I today 
November 14th, 2016, Trezo would say the Lifehouse song, yep. You and Me. <laughs> God, that's so good. So. That song is so good. And we both agreed that James Blunt's High was the anti-song of the week. Yeah. I think my ears bled when I listened oh, to Jesus it. Oh, Jesus Christ. That guy. I, <sighs> okay, death tally. Zero question no one. mark? No one dot, dot, dot. We both had ellipses in our answer. No, you had three question marks, and I had an ellipsis. <laughs> Same sentiment. <laughs> uh, 007, I think we agreed here. Krev? Yeah. Like, he kind of fucked it up. With math. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm not saying that math has to be everyone's forte. I have a successful career without a good grasp on math. But if you're a doctor, you should probably at least be in the 80th percentile of math. (laughs) Probably. Probably. Uh, Uh, Chief resident, we also agreed on. We were really in sync this episode. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Uh, Addison. Addison. Yeah. (laughs) It's Addison. She's these. She's so good. She's so good. She's just fucking good at her job. And basically no one else is very good at their job. No. No. So particularly (laughs) now we're really into rewarding competence. That's right. A low bar. Competence. A low bar. (laughs) The Krev of the uh, week. Krev of the week. I also gave it to Krev. Same. He he slept with fucking Olivia. We didn't even talk (laughs) about that. We didn't get into it. She slept with Olivia and Izzy walks in and Uh, has like the most expected, defeated uh, look on her face. And you just like, you just want to like hug her. That's bad. Line of the week. (sighs) I really appreciated your line of the week. There's this great moment between Christina and Meredith when they're (laughs) Meredith's like talking about all these different guys that she's sleeping with, which like. Who the fuck cares who Meredith's sleeping with, you know? Get it. She just went through, like, a really horrible breakup, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, she – and they keep calling her back and, like, wanting a relationship. And she says to Christina – Christina's like, seriously? And she says, seriously, why do you guys not understand that when you pick them up at the bar for sex, there are no picket fences and kids in your future? (laughs) And I just – love it i just fucking love that line i love uh the like gender reversal because that's obviously you know rhetoric that we hear often from from men in the world (laughs) i was gonna say in media (laughs) but then i just in the world world. and i just i just love that i love that reversal and i love their you know in the universe even in the universe gendered aliens (laughs) who are hypothetically out there (laughs) i believe they're doing the same shit so i love and i love I-, I think meredith's also communicating that earnestly right like her tone is like actually fuck you and not sort of like oh yeah you know she- I-, I don't yeah. know i think that there's an earnestness that we often don't see from girls who are trying to you know play it cool or whatever and she's like yeah. no fuck that noise like, <laughs> she's I just- like, no, really. <laughs> i'm literally pretty stop sure- calling me <laughs> i'm pretty sure that my line of the week is in the same conversation as your line of the yeah, week yeah i think which- so <laughs> Further supports that we were totally like the same person on this episode. So my line of the week, line of the week was, uh, I think it was Yang's answer to Meredith, which was, "They're like these 1950s debutantes. One dance, and there's a shotgun to your head." Yep. <laughs> so, so when we dudes, say, "Am I right?" is our line of the week. <laughs> and also, like when we say band men. <laughs> 
I think that's like a mutually understood sentiment of our favorite characters of this show. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason we like this show so much. I mean, if that wasn't already clear, make sure. This brings us to our United States postmortem. Medical fact of the week. Yeah. I. Oh, boy. So many people that I love and I follow on social media or, you know, just just texting back and forth have had have had so many incredible things to say, not reassuring things because Mm. I'm not, I don't need reassurance. Um, It feels really empty to me right now, but incredibly sort of uh, brave and confrontational and Mm -hmm. purposeful things. You know, my mom and I had a, a kind of long conversation after after a big fight we had. My mom and I being on the same side, <laughs> you know, like we're talking about two women uh, on on the same side. She's she's sad and scared as a woman and um, as as a Latina. Um, she's she's extremely white presenting. Right. My mom can mm-hmm. my mom can pass. She does pass all the time. My whole life. But she has me and she she has her father and she has her family and whatever. And it was like we had to have a conversation afterwards about what what grief looks like. And that's been maybe my biggest realization as a person who's not particularly great at communicating feelings, which (laughs) I am not, (laughs) is that the way that I grieve is I – when people tell me it's going to be okay, I get really, really mad. <laughs> and my mom and I had to have that conversation of like, when you say that to me, I get mad at you. And that's not fair because I know that you're well-meaning. And my mom is someone who has to have a silver lining. She's a woman of faith, mm. great faith. You know, she she believes in the best of people. And I'm not that person. I'm a storm cloud over my whole family, really. And And that's okay. Storm clouds are okay. But... All of this, all of these sort of calls to unification and healing and and moving forward, you know, are to me, they're just indicative of, of privilege. I just healing is a privilege and it's it's not one that I have as a queer Latina woman. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And and the lack of that privilege is it's all over my skin and you know what i wear what i decide to wear every morning is is political and uh so healing is a privilege is really all i have to say about that and i think that anger is purposeful and mm. anger is useful and yep. i don't want people to stop being angry i would like to formally advocate for anger because situations do warrant anger so yeah you know i think that 
I think that watching the last six days unfold and frankly watching, you know, last Tuesday night, watching the events of of even that evening unfold and into Wednesday morning that there was, uh, everybody has read more newspapers, news outlets, articles, Facebook (laughs) posts, whatever, you name it, we have read it as a, as a society than we have in five years, you know? And and maybe in a lifetime. And I think that what was really difficult for me is watching a, a population of of Hillary supporters, of, of, frankly, of of anti-Trump supporters, mm-hmm. um, that watching people go so quickly from shock to acceptance or yeah. to action, uh, specifically action, as come together. We can do this. We'll be okay. Felt like skipping a very important step, almost like almost like when you when you grieve something. And I want to make the distinction that it's different from the acceptance that you were just talking about. But as as an analogy, right? When you when you grieve a loss, you have to go through each step of grief, right? Yeah. And that's sort of like you you can't skip one, right? Like you can't <laughs> you don't get works. to skip one, right? Like you don't get to skip bargaining in some way. You will bargain at some point whether that's immediate or whether that's you know third in line or whatever and I think it felt like we skipped we skipped a piece there and that felt like not only a huge privilege as it was mostly white people (laughs) who were saying let's come together yeah let's do it pull yourself up by your bootstraps we've got this you know, if we just come together, it'll be okay. And uh, exactly what you're saying is a nod to privilege. But it also, <laughs> of course, was not just felt like, but was an acceptance of what had happened. Right. You know, and I was listening to an article, or not an article, um, an interview with Bernie Sanders. And he said, you know, except so many young people are saying they're not accepting the presidency. And he said, it's not, it's not, it's not if you are or are not accepting. It's a fact that's happening. But I think that there's a difference between accepting a fact of reality and accepting it as a as a a thing that human beings who are alive today and who will be alive for a long time subscribe to. And I I I can't accept that. You know, we are we are forced to to look at somebody who is going to be our president. But uh, but who has advocated sexual assaults? Who has described who is, Latinos as rapists and drug dealers? Who was self-proclaimed proud xenophobic? Mm-hmm. Who has banned Muslims from America? Right, like who has done things that that we outlawed that we have outlawed years ago? Right, you Which know, doesn't even just doesn't even. And and I just the 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 cultural acceptance around that of 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 left leaning Democrats liberals whoever like I I can't and I won't and I don't fucking care that he has to be our president whatever that's a fact but 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 I I that's where I'm 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 struggling so much I just I can't articulate myself. I can't teach classes. I can't talk to my family. I can't talk to my friends. I can't 
just just going through the day looking at people that I love and looking at the world around me just makes me want to like throw myself in front of a bus yeah and that's somebody who is a white person married to a man (laughs) yeah you know I think you know someone again I'm I'm taking from so many things on the internet because that's that's what Mm. I've been doing I've been Mm -hmm. I've been reading what what people who are extremely thoughtful and and articulate and radical have to say to to give myself the illusion of of confidence or something um out here where i am and someone you know people have been saying you know we got through eight years of reagan we survived eight years of reagan we survived eight years of bush and and a lot of people have been rightfully calling them out to say Who's we, you know, who fucking survived mm-hmm. eight years of Reagan, not not the thousands upon thousands of gay men <laughs> who died of HIV because our president refused to acknowledge that the disease exists or that treatments could be found through funding research. You know, and it, you know, and that's just that's just one example. But it was to me um, reacting as a queer person, it was one of the most profound responses to that yes. kind of acceptance of like, who the fuck is we, you know, yep. people, people are, people are going to die. Not everyone is going to survive four years yes. of Donald Trump. You know, when you say right. to a brown or black person, when you say to a Muslim, when you say to a trans individual, it's just four years you might think that you're sounding supportive and you you aren't you sound you're belittling you're dismissing their fear it's a very real fear it's 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 a warranted fear and and you can't guarantee you can't you can't guarantee we couldn't guarantee those men primarily men before um you sure as shit can't now and there are better ways to be supportive. And I think that hearing someone and saying, you know, specifically, I hear you, I hear that you're scared is a, is a hell of a lot better than saying it's going to be okay. (laughs) Because for a huge portion of our population, it is decidedly not not going to be okay. And that's it. (laughs) That's, that's point blank. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because I want to say that, you know, people can vote for whoever they want to, and that's true, but I don't have to forgive you for that vote. And, and it is hard to make eye contact. You know, I work at a at a beauty salon in rural Montana and I love my coworkers and most of them voted Trump mm-hmm. and I've had the most difficult time interacting with them and it's only been a couple of days yep <laughs> and I every day in my position am enabling their livelihood right like I'm I'm specifically and actively trying to bring them business and make them money. And I'm going to continue to do that because it's my job, but it's fucking hard to do. 
um, knowing how so many of them voted and, and what they are enabling with regards to my own future um, and the future of my loved ones. And I think that maybe the most radical thing that I can think of doing right now is as much anxiety as it causes me, you know, just just fucking making eye contact with mm-hmm. the people that I consider completely treacherous right now that I have such disdains for is, is to, you know, I've joked about getting these confrontational enamel pins, you know, Black Lives <laughs> Matter, a, a scissoring pin from Autostraddle, shout out, support, you know, independent media uh, mm-hmm. like autostraddle.com. Um but wearing that stuff, I don't know. I hope it's going to make me feel brave. And and I feel like as uncomfortable as it makes me, my desire to make every single white person I encounter uncomfortable, like, has mm-hmm. to overrule that. <laughs> so that's how I'm choosing to cope. I'm choosing to cope by, like, staging, <laughs> like, a one-woman, like, rainbow latino parade i said i was gonna start just dropping spanish into conversations you know like gonna, i'm just gonna, gonna order food and be like i like the cubano pero <laughs> no mustard gracias <laughs> just invent an accent yeah i'm just gonna drop pero into like every conversation <laughs> i'm only gonna use like spanish conjunctions from here on out that's that's my new that's plan great. You know, that's where we've you is that that's the plan that you have to do. You know, I, I work at a school and I think that it's like trying to uh, something that's been, you know, a privileged challenge for for me and for most of the, you know, most of my coworkers are, are not all, but, but most are white. Um it's it's very challenging to figure out how to temper when you work with kids, how to to calibrate how much to temper yourself with kids, mm-hmm. because if you over temper yourself, you that sends a message. <laughs> and if you are too honest, that sends a different message. And when you you know, the, the goal with kids, of course, right, is to teach them not what to think, but how to think. And. I just think that that has kind of gone out the window with this election, <laughs> you know, like we are still, and that's, I can see an argument for wanting to try, I, frankly, I can't see the argument, but what I've, <laughs> what I've heard is that like, you know, you should, you should let the kids make up their own mind. And frankly, many of the seniors in high school, right, are voting for the first time in this election, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly powerful experience. You know, Teresa and I voted for the first time together for you know president barack obama and that was an incredibly powerful experience Mm. um and so watching these young people vote for the first time you can't in this election is as we've discussed already is not the same (laughs) it's not the same as any election that we've ever had before right that's why acceptance isn't okay is because it's not an election where we can accept what has become but tempering yourself saying that that we're not allowed to teach the kids what to think is wrong in my opinion and i think should be wrong in the court of public opinion because 
if we don't teach our kids what to think in this situation, if we don't stand up as whether that's as an individual, as a teacher, as a, you know, school, as a society and say, this is not okay. We don't support bigotry or racism or sexism or xenophobia, right? Then that's, that's, that's a moment when we do have to teach kids what to think. Yeah. Right. Like that's a thing that we fundamentally are hopefully already teaching our kids what to think. And I'm lucky enough to work at a relatively progressive school, but that doesn't mean that we don't have faculty or students or families who are, who are Trump supporters or who are staunch conservatives. And it's really hard to figure out how to calibrate that in an appropriate way and also take care of oneself. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I was, I was telling a coworker today that it feels a little bit like everybody that I work with is being held together by scotch tape and everybody is just trying their very best to just get through the day. You know, DC feels a little bit like you just told her that her mom died <laughs> and everybody, my a, a beloved coworker of mine, who's, who's father dropped dead in front of him when he was 16 years old said that he has not felt this way since that happened because it is so debasing to him on a fundamental level yeah you know that he feels like and he's a white straight dude you know (laughs) like he's like the rug feels so pulled out from under me that I don't even know how to exist in the world and then we tell this you know young man go teach children yeah and I don't know, if, I don't fucking know how to do that as a white female married to a man. I don't know how to do that to a bunch of kids who are immigrants or who live in an incredibly poor part of D.C. Like, I don't know how to do that. And, and, and like, that's where we have left our, our, our people. Yeah. I, <clears throat> so I, I currently coach speech and debate at my old high school. And a high school where I, you know, we're talking, this was 2003 to 2007, but a high school where I encountered a lot of, of, of not great things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, being routinely called a Mexican, no matter how many times I tried to uh, correct them that I, that I wasn't Mexican. That was, that was Puerto Rican. It was a very different thing. Oh, it's all the same. Um... (laughs) you know uni uni hispanic right um you know even my my favorite my favorite teacher at my high school once once joked in front of the class that like the school's funding rested on my shoulders right before we took a a standardized test and and he meant it well you know he's one of the most um progressive people i know in the state and and truly one of the greatest influences in my life and that was still a thing that he that he felt comfortable mm-hmm. joking about in front of everyone or um another teacher's uh saying to this the same teacher um he was part of the the border control um and he said it was uh it was incredible to see um incredible to see my accomplishments uh given where i came from <laughs> um as though i i came from i i don't know where i don't even know where i i was i was <laughs> raised with a with a very white you know upper middle class uh stepfather so <laughs> um i'm not sure where he thought i i came from but um so you know now i i coach speech and debate at the school and i have a latina girl she's from colombia she's she's fucking brilliant she's uh 
already one of my favorite kids and and I have only been coaching for about a month and a half and that whole high school held you know a mock election of course Trump won it was never really a question it was just a question of by how much and I've been thinking about her every single day I I skipped practice on Thursday I didn't feel like I could be quote-unquote professional mm-hmm. um yep. my kids deal explicitly with politic political topics and I just wasn't up for it um but I think I've been thinking about her every day and and um she's she's a really smart kid and I can just see her laughing off some of the shit the way that I did um trying to correct some of it the way that I did mm-hmm. and I just got to find a way to sit her down and say you know it's not it's not your responsibility to to take on these people you know has anyone said anything to you you come Mm -hmm. you come straight to me you come straight to one of the other coaches you you don't have to do that and you can tell kids that till you're blue in the face and they're still going to try and be self-sufficient and it's just it's just fucking horrible to think about you know um that that all of those things are have been legitimized Right, they've been voted yep. into office, and everything he said about Latinos is is legitimized. Things that people thought but wouldn't say are it's okay to say now, you know. It's totally fine. Um. So again, you you know maybe you didn't vote for that, but um, you were certainly fine enough with it to ignore it, and and that's on you, and that's on your conscience. I hope for forever um yep whatever happens to this girl that i coach whatever happens to me uh whatever happens to my loved ones that's that's on you um that's your responsibility and i just don't give a single shit if you think that you voted for something else one of my students today in a, in a greater conversation with um, many, many of our, many of our classmates, she's 14. And she, she said, you know, very bravely got up, you know, with most, most of whom are older kids. And she said something to the effect of, you know, I am everything that Donald Trump has spoken against. She's a African-American female who is um, Muslim and comes from a single family household, you know, just like truly embodied. And uh, she's 14. So, of course, I don't know her sexual orientation, but. Can you imagine being so aware of all of those things at 14? Anyway. No, I can't. But she said, I, and I was already just, you know. <laughs> Hank just ran into Hank's her. really upset uh, about this, too. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> he's the straight white male of the dog world. <laughs> but he's he's really there yeah. for us, you know. <laughs> anyway, she um, she stood up and she said, I'm everything that Donald Trump has spoken against. And that's really hard. And she said, she's 14. And she said, but frankly, I'm so worried about the younger generation and what it's going to mean for them. Mm-hmm. And I like <laughs> looked at her like, <laughs> you're you're 
14, you know, like it was just in that moment, I just, it was, you know, one of the many poignant things that young people said today. Um, but it was, it, 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 it hit me in a way of, of just how attentive young people are and that like, I can't imagine being that self-aware as a 14 year old, let alone being that self-aware of, of the rest of the world. You know, most 14 year olds I know are really into, and I know a lot of them are, are into talking about themselves, but to be able to place yourself in that deeply historical context, like, yeah, if you voted for him, you voted against Mm -hmm. her and that should stick with you forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to negotiate on that point. Yeah. I I don't know. I completely agree. I think about the only thing I can say is, you know, if you if you can march, if you can't, there's so many organizations that you can give money to from the Trevor Project which is dealing with queer youth and and suicide and homelessness to um, you know, the NAACP, um, the ACLU, which is going to be doing a lot of work for people, I think, in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Um, Planned Parenthood, of course. Um, just, you know, if you can't, and if you can't give money, if you can't march, then not... Then, then wear your enamel <laughs> then wear pins. Your... Then be, hey. then be a one-woman march. You know what I mean? Then, no, then truly. Fucking, I mean, you know, don't don't wear a safety pin. This is the thing I've been I've been hearing all about. <laughs> no, leave your safety pins for for your laundry. You know, like I don't. No, you know, wear wear a rainbow flag, right? Like yeah. wear something. You know about how Black Lives Matter, right? Like. These people want to be afraid, then fucking give them something to be afraid of. <laughs> right, you know, like if Muslims have to, you know, if Muslims in the U.S. have to register and 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 you're a non-Muslim, you you fucking sign, you sign it. <laughs> like, like yep. those are the things yep. that you can do. Be visible for the people who are most vulnerable right now and are trying to figure out whether they need to hide and self-preserve or whether they're going to stand and fight and and furthermore don't fucking judge them whichever way they come out on that question just get angry (laughs) stay angry (laughs) stay stay being yes you know the key the key verb here um it's it's not normal um this is not normal don't let it be normal it doesn't it's that's it's not (laughs) we're gonna continue to be here for you guys (laughs) we are always here for all things Grey's Anatomy as well as all things that we can do to support you through this incredibly difficult time fuck yeah you Um, want to shout us out um by email you want to shout out something that's that's totally fine I don't you want to you want to get on here and you want to talk about your story <laughs> and your truth like we will take yeah. you um and uh i hope that i don't know i hope that people can can find some sort of sanctuary if you are um this is a long shot but if you're in montana if you're somewhere in this fucking state and you feel unsafe or you're scared or whatever you just want company you know reach out 
Um, or I, I'm around. Yes, I would. Echo, <laughs> I would echo that if you are in Washington D.C. or you want to be here and you want to protest and you need a place to stay, I have a giant dog <laughs> who really wants to snuggle the shit out of you. Um, please reach out to us. We are we're here for that. So I think that's our show. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to try to be, you know, regular again with our, with our shows. Um, I think maybe try and be, um, I don't know, maybe we'll find a space for this kind of thing every episode. Um, we'll see. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the delay. Um, and (laughs) you, whoever you are, are in our hearts. Uh, we're holding you there and um, you can find us anywhere really where podcasts can be listened to um, whether it's on iTunes uh, on Podbean our gracious hosts on Stitcher mm. Acast you can find us on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore and if you're looking to email us uh, you can find us at code grays at gmail.com similarly our website is code hyphen grays.tumblr.com um less active there pretty active on twitter and by email so uh give us a shout or you know a quiet hello if necessary we love you guys a lot thanks so much for listening so much time because you and me and all other people Nothing to do, nothing to lose, and it's you and me and all other people, and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you.